This is On The Radar, episode 108. And as always, it's me, Radar, talking about local and national sports and pop culture as well. And as always, we are going to get to the news. Rest in peace to... Excuse me. Cherry Douglas, longtime actor from The Young and the Restless, and he passed away at the age of 88. He was also in many other things as well. He says he also was on Mission Impossible, just to name something that was pretty famous. He passed away at age 88. Rest in peace to Jerry Douglas. Rest in peace to Grammy, Grammy Edge. He's a, known for being in the group the Moody Blues and one of the co-founders and the drummer. And he got to have his own band as well. And he got he was able to get in the Hall of Fame in 2018. Another rock and roll group that came around between the 60s and the 80s that go, you know what? Let's not put them in the Hall of Fame until it's like too late. Like for real. It's one of these groups that because they were a you know, prog rock group where they're all like professionally trained musicians and classically trained musicians. Oh, it's not real rock. I was like, okay. But if you just curious, some of the biggest hits are like, go now and I don't want to go on without you. He passed away at the age of 80. Rest in peace to him. And Jonathan Reynolds, playwright and food columnist, died at 79. Rest in peace to him. We also lost the, lost the actor Karanji Calhoun. Known as Halle Berry's son in Monsters Ball at age of 30. Rest in peace to him. We also lost producer and manager for Helen Reddy and Sylvester Stallone. He passed away at 77 and he's a man- boxing promoter as well. Rest in peace to Wilbur Smith, the, the Zambian-born South African novelist. Specializing in historical fiction about in- international involvement in South Africa across four centuries. Rest in peace to him. He passed away at the age of... 88. Then we lost Heath Freeman of NSAS and Bones. He was 41 years old. Rest in peace to David Frank, media executive, CEO of Dial Square 86, and this chairman of Rights Exchange, which was an online marketplace for TV rights. He's also the founder of RDF Media and the one-time CEO of Zodak Media. And his portfolio includes The Girl Tattoo, Totally Spies, and The Inbetweener. He passed away at the age of 63. And we lost Gavin O'Hurley, the Irish-born actor known for playing Chuck Cunningham in the first episode of Happy Days, as well in the films as Never Say Never Say Never Again, Dead Wish 3, Willow, and Superman 3. He passed away at age 70. In the world of football, we lost former Giant and Washington quote-unquote Redskins player who was a member of both the College Football Hall of Fame and the Professional Hall of Fame. The, the linebacker passed away at AG7. He was a Super Bowl champion in 1956 with the Giants. Two-time first-team All-Pro, four-team All-Second Pro, five-time Pro Bowl. He made the all 50s decade team. He's in both the Washington and the Giants Hall of Fame. He's an All-American. West Virginia College retired his number. He has 30 interceptions and five total touchdowns and 17 fumbles recovered. He also went into being a color commentator for the Giants and then Washington as well. And he, they, he remained there until the, age, until the 2012 season, calling games alongside Johnny Jurgensen and Frank Herzog and Larry Michael. He's also broadcast radio syndicated TV package for Mountaineer College football games as well. He also went into breeding horses for horse racing. He also ran for a house for a season the House of Representative and lost. 
Rest in peace to him. And then as last week I mentioned, a baseball player that I saw many games of, Pedro Feliciano, we lost shortstop Julio Lugo, the Dominican. He played for the Astros, the Devil Rays, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Cardinals, the Orioles, and the Braves. And I remember very vividly when he was on the Red Sox and they won the World Series in 2007. He's one of those shortstops where he's not the world's greatest offensive player or the world's greatest defensive player. But you plug him at the bottom of the lineup and he comes up with enough production at the bottom of the order and for the shortstop position overall, which is not a big offensive production for position. And he did his job there. I remember playing in the video game 2K7 with Wii with him. So I, I have his baseball card on multiple teams. He finished with a lifetime 269 average, 80 RBI, uh, 80 home runs, excuse me, and 475 RBI. He um, also played in Dominic baseball as well. And the last like major major thing is he played for the Braves and the Orioles and the Indians and like independent ball. The reason for his for him passing away is that he died of a heart attack, just very young, 45. So rest in peace to Julio Lugo. I do want to say happy trails in a positive way for Sean Casimir Jr., the career minor leaguer who came up with the Padres in 2008, never played a single major league game, and spent time in the Mariners, the Mets, and the Braves minor league system for almost a decade. Finally this year got called up and was able to play in the majors for first appearance in over 12 years. He didn't get that much of an opportunity to play, but he could say that he got to play in the major list twice, and it's just guys living their dreams. So happy Charles Sean Kazmar Jr., former major league pitcher Brett Cecil. When I remember him, he came out with the Blue Jays. He was like a lot of Blue Jays stars, like Casey Jansen, Dustin McGowan, Brandon Morrow, where he had the talent and the ability to be a starting pitcher, and they tried that, but the dude could never stay healthy. So he became a relief pitcher, and he was a pretty good relief pitcher for a long time for the Blue Jays and for the Cardinals, but then he never stayed healthy. One of those seasons with the Blue Jays, he made the All-Star team. And in the minor leagues, he, he, he was also part of the World Baseball Classic team that won in 2017 as a reliever, so not even in the minor leagues as a major leaguer. So, yep, and obviously what happened is he didn't play during the 2020 season because of the pandemic. But happy trails to him because you could say, hey, I got a gold medal and I made the all-star team. So that's not bad for him. Happy trails to former closer Joaquin Soria. I vividly remember him pitching against the White Sox all the years as the Royals closer. And then for the Tigers and the Rangers, the Pirates. And then the Royals again. And then he was with the White Sox for like a half a season. Then he went to Milwaukee and Oakland and Arizona. And then the Blue Jays ended up this year. He finished with 229 saves. He probably one of the greatest pitchers in Mexico's history. He had a two-time All-Star, and he won the bronze medal for Mexico as well in baseball tournaments. So I still thought that at age 37, being a veteran relief pitcher, and a lot of relief pitchers can pitch till they're 40 years old, that, hey, there's a possibility that Joaquin Soria could hang on for another couple of years, but he did not. So happy trails to him. He had a pretty darn good career, and... Good luck in your next venture to all three of the players who just recently retired. And uh, let's get to some football news. Pac-Man Jones is officially arrested and put in jail for a bar fight where he left a bouncer unconscious. Which is never good. He's always had legal issues, but that's another thing. And... Um, 
49ers cut Jalen Hurd, a wide receiver of theirs who never stayed healthy. Randy Gregory has gone to the injured reserve. It's not good for the Cowboys. A.J. Green, though, is back. Odo Beckham Jr., if you haven't missed it because it's been overly covered, how do you not miss it? Is he officially a Ram? And they hired Jim Moore to be the head coach of UConn. I mean, uh, you know, uh, not UConn. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yeah, I was right, UConn. My bad, I can't even read my own handwriting. Cam Newton is officially back with the Panthers. That's interesting because they're officially ruling Sam Donald out for the year, and that was just a waste of a year for them. Because basically, they spent money on Teddy Bridgewater and then said, nah, never mind, let's get rid of him. And then they go out and trade for Sam Darnold, and now he gets hurt, and they got the XFL dude, PJ Walker. But it's definitely going to be Cam Newton's team. Russell Wilson's back from his injury, his broken finger. I'm surprised. That's kind of quick turnaround. Alvin Kamara, he was out for a game, and and uh, Mark Ingram, they recently acquired, did pretty well. Tyron Smith, though. He's out, was out, so was Charles. So was Chase Claypool, A.B. and Gronk, Jamal Williams. Hocklin and Dix officially on the Raiders. Kevin White's officially on the Actorage for the Saints. Montez Sweat is on the IR. And Robert Woods towards ACL, so that Odell Beckham Jr. signing looks really good for them. Nick Chubb and Pat Shermer both have COVID-19. John Gruden is officially suing the NFL because he's saying there were plenty of emails that were... That they, the prosecutors and the investigators looked into, but they leaked certain ones, and the media all saw that, and everybody goes, oh my god, and Roger Goodell's like, well, I guess you're going to fire him, so he felt like he was coerced in the firing because he could have looked at all these other emails, and um, that's interesting to see how that goes, that lawsuit, Trent Brown is back, Jamie Collins is out with injury, Hulu Jones officially won the IR, Austin Sieber went to the IR, and Rodgers is back from COVID, and I forgot to mention in football, Damon Snacked Harris, in former New York Giant, announced his retirement from football. He played for the Jets and the and the and the Seahawks and the Packers. He, you know, he finished with with 494 sacks. I mean, tackles, 11 sacks, five forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, and one interception. Very short-lived career because football is always going to be the not for longly. Happy trails to him. Cowboys get Michael Gallup back. Damon Harris is out with a concussion. And Dante Fowler's back. Uh, and Baker has a knee injury, so that's another thing to add to the injury he already has with the shoulder, so maybe they just shut him down. The, the, and speaking of former Lions players, Damon Harrison, the Lions had a tie game versus the Steelers. And because when Ren Rossberger went on the COVID list just a couple of days beforehand, and so I don't, I, I can't blame the Steelers. When your starting quarterback goes on the COVID list like a day or two beforehand, and based on Rudolph has already proven that he's not that great of a quarterback in this league, it's on the Lions and Jared Goff and the rest of that team to be like, how can we not win a game in overtime? And uh, John Smith is out. Dallas Goddard has a concussion. Chase Young, unfortunately, is out for the year. So one of the best young defensive players in the league, he's out for the year, which is not Washington whatsoever. Fullback Alex, Alex and Gold is out for the year. And Derek Wolf's out for the year. Minka Fitzpatrick has COVID, and Joe Hayden's out with a foot injury. Vita Vey has an MCL injury. Joey Boza's on the COVID list. Garrett Bradbury's back from COVID. Eliza Mitchell has soldiers had surgery on his finger, and Le'Veon Bell got cut. I don't know this is. Every week I keep reporting on some guy tearing his ACL, MCL, or his Achilles, or something tear his shoulder. But man, all these guys being out for the year is just like, 
wow, all of these players just can't stay healthy. ESPN News, Ryan McPhee agreed a contract extension with them. And uh, Saints defensive end. Peyton Turner is out for the year with a, with a shoulder injury, which is not good because they're relying on him and their good defense. Now let's get the basketball. Paige Bucker is a college basketball player, signed a deal with Stock X. Again, college player getting lightness and all the apparel. Good for her, good for the young young ones getting these deals. DeMar DeRozan has officially now at least 8,000 career points. Hat, uh, you know, congratulations to him. Prayers go out to Bradley Beal's family. His grandmother passed away. Steph Curry now is officially the all-time three-point leader at passing Ray Allen. And Buddy Hill is the most threes for 400 games. And Patty Mills the most threes off the bench, nine in Nets history. John Wall's contract is too much, so the Rockets are unable to trade him, nor do they want to cut him and eat his money. So he's going to be sitting on that plane the rest of the year. So once promising career, don't know where that's going. And EA Sports announced Fight Night is back. So go to fans of that boxing game. Fortune for the Bulls, Nikola Vukovic is in health and safety protocols with COVID. So the Bulls don't even really have that much front court depth with Patrick Williams out already for the year. So that doesn't really help them there. Maybe they should look into getting another big man. Uh, prayers to go to David Yeager, who has announced that he's stepping away from coaching as assistant coach of the Sixers because he's now battling cancer. Hopefully everything is good with him there. Draymond Green is now going to do, be doing another podcast as he's been doing something before. This time he's doing the podcast, part of Colin Howard's podcast network, so that's going to be cool. Kevin Durant and Steph Curry were players of the week, two of the best players in the league. That makes sense. T-Wolves have been fired 250k for outside practice of their market during the offseason, I'm guessing, because of the, all the COVID protocols. They don't want people just congregating and practicing anywhere, I guess. That is a little bit confusing. Evan Mobley of the Cavaliers is out two to four weeks with an elbow injury, so that is not good for the Cavaliers. But because they're already missing their guards, so now baseball relievers of the year were Liam Hendricks and Joaquin Soria. And excuse me, Josh Hader. I'm mixing up relievers. Josh Hader, I feel like it's based on reputation. I thought maybe Mark Melanson or somebody else could have probably won in the National League, but then Liam Hendricks had was the first Sox pitcher to lead the league in saving Bobby Thigpen, so definitely he deserved it. And um. Yeah, I officially thought that the reliever of the year should have been either Kenley Jansen, if it wasn't Mark Melanson, or and Josh Hader was number three, so at least he was number three on that list. Ozzie Timmons and Connor uh, Dawson are joining the Brewers staff. Ozzie Timmons, former major leaguer, that's good for him. Phillies hired an assistant GM, Arnegu Colombe, so I don't know how that's going to affect them. And Damon Hollins is is joining the Royals as a first base coach. Peter Burgess is officially going from the minor leagues of the Rockies to the major league outfield, the base running coach for the the Diamondbacks. It makes sense because he was all about speed and defense. Probably should have won at least one gold glove in his career. Abreu, this year officially, it was the fifth season. He had 30 and 100 RBIs with the White Sox. That's pretty impressive. Winning nationally manager of the year and leading the, the whole entire baseball wins is why Gabe Kapler has got a contract extension. Brett Strong, who just left the Astros as a pitching coach, has gone to the Diamondbacks. And the Jonathan Inney and Randy Reyna win Rookies of the Year. The reason I'm not giving it to Randy Reyna is because he played a lot last year and somehow was still qualified to play this year because it was a shortened season last year and he won it. I'm just like, 
maybe somebody else because obviously Jonathan India completely just took over the that top of the lineup role that Nick Senzel had with the Reds, and that was something that was pretty good. But in the American League, I thought Adoles Garcia and Ryan Mountcastle and even Akil Badu had really good years. So I don't have any raise in my top three, but I don't think I would have given him the actual award, but that's just me. Brewers have picked up Mike Brasaru, which, again, they have too many first basemen, so there's no point there because that guy's a natural-born first baseman. Eduardo Rodriguez signed, like, a long-term deal with the Tigers. It reminds me of Jordan Zimmerman because both guys had an injury concern with them and had a few good years with each of their teams, but he's just going to probably never be healthy, and the Tigers going to be stuck paying that guy's contract. Manny Pena, the longtime Brewers catcher, is going to the Braves. They, that's good for them if Darnell gets hurt again because then they don't have to go looking for like four or five other catchers this year. Like they had Lou Croy and they had Steven Vogt. They had Alex Jackson until they traded him. And then they had Wilson Contreras' his brother, Williams. So they've gone through a lot. Billy Epler, former Angels GM, is now the GM of the Mets. I don't know what's going on because every time the Mets hire like a manager, oh, he's a cheating scandal. Oh, we hire a GM and he... And he was, you know, he, he has sexual abuse. Oh, this, uh, the acting GM is like the DUI. And Mickey Calloway, the former manager, had all this other stuff. So the fact that he was the Angels general manager for five years, and he worked at the Yankees director of professional scouting, hopefully this helps the Mets because injuries have been an issue, but they, they definitely need a better GM because when they had the Brody Van Wagen in, he gave all the guys who he used to have under his contract to be you know, play for him, and they give them horrible contracts, like getting Robinson Cano. Speaking of the Mets, Luis Rojas is now the Yankees' third base coach, which is pretty interesting. He's just going over. He's going to keep his chain address pretty much. He can just go work for the Yankees. Daniel Moscato is now the sitting coach for the Cubs. And Christian Margone, the former major utility player with the Mariners, is now in the Mariners' official coaching staff. Kevin Cash won an American League manager year. As I mentioned, Capital won the National League one. And the Red Sox... Ownership group is buying the Penguins, which is very interesting. And the Orioles hired Matt Borg and have hired Matt Borgslude and Ryan Fuller to be new coaches for them. So that is every team now is coming up with all their things as Ryan Fuller and Matt Borgslude were guys in the minor leagues. So that's just them promoting from within. And Noah Syndergaard, a.k.a. Thor, is officially going to the Angels. Now, Matt Harvey's done that before, and that didn't work out. But Matt Harvey, at that point, wasn't the same pitcher. Syndergaard, the last time we saw him, he was still pretty good before he had that cert- Tommy John surgery. So maybe maybe it'll work out. I hope it works out for him because, again, I'm not going to root negatively for him when he's on a team that doesn't matter to me or anybody that's not a Mets fan. And Howie Kendrick, who's been retired just for a year or so, is now officially working as special assistant for the Phillies. So congratulations to him on that. And let's get to some television news. There will be no Spider-Man TV show actor Nicholas Hammond in the new Spider-Man movie. He said he wasn't approached, which is really sad. Billy Crystal, though, good news, is returning to Broadway to doing Mr. Saturday Night. Kim Cattrall is joining Queer as Folk. And... Jordana Brewster and Adam Pyle are going to be in a comedy called Charlie in a Pandemic. So I love Adam Pyle. He's really funny. Jordana Brewster is okay. You know, Ben Stiller and Kate Blanchard are going to be in this thing called In the Chomps or Champs that he made. It's a show that he's making because he is now making television shows and things like that. So, oh, Champions. Why did I say In the Chomps? Champions. In the, 
it's in the champions. And Simon Helberg is going to appear in Young Sheldon, which is really cool. And then Lizzie Kaplan's getting two things. A fatal attracting TV show, and she's going to be in this TV show on FX. So she's, you know, really cashing in on being in Fleischman is in trouble and the other thing. Hawkeye TV show spinoff Echo and Catherine Hahn's spinoff of WandaVerse is officially coming. And Kuzak is going to play Dr. Glassman's ex-wife in The Good Doctor. That's going to be interesting. Jennifer Carpenter, who keeps being on shows that get canceled, is going to be in a show called Belastic, which is good for her. And The Great British Bake Off is being renewed, for those who are fans of that. Sad news report, Chris Daughtry of Daughtry stepped out or has passed away, and they're taking a break from touring and doing all this stuff. Prayers and thoughts go out to him. And... This show called D'Amelio was renewed on Hulu for those who watch it. Catherine McNamara from Arrow is going to be in this thing called Sugar, which is cool for Mel Gibson. Said he can direct Lethal Weapon number five. When did Lethal Weapon before come out? That's where I'm confused about. I don't remember that. The Days of Our Life is going to be like made into a movies. That's interesting. And this thing called Marlowe, which is a Liam Neeson product, is getting Francois Arnaud and a bunch of others. And I know him from Midnight, Texas. Blind spot in the booties, and I'm a huge fan of his, so that's gonna be cool to see him in that. Lavar Burton is not, he got, it didn't get picked for Jeopardy, so he's gonna be hosting the Trivial Pursuit show, and this Queen Sugar Landing, he got his ending for those who are fans of that show. Jennifer Coolidge is gonna be in a Ryan Murphy thing called The Watcher, so that's good for her. And now, I'm not caught up on 911, so they said it was the last episode this current week of November. Rockman Dunbar. The character of Athena Grant, who they had children really late in life because she was really focused on her career. And the whole thing was, he goes, you knew I was gay, blah, 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 blah. But you still pursued me and we had two children and he loves them. And then the son got kidnapped this season and the daughter's a 9-1 dispatcher. And like, he's a very important part of the show because they made him. I said, okay, if they're getting divorced... Why you need this June, but he's been in pretty much every episode since the show started. He's had his own love interest or two throughout the show. So he's an important part of the show, but it's all because of his vaccine mandate, and he said supposedly it's a religious belief, and he doesn't want to get vaccinated, whatever the case is. If they want to write him out of the show, good for him. If they want to recast another black man to play him, go right ahead, because the show is not really about him, but they made it so he's important in so many different actual scenes now one thing i wanted to mention was both cbs and cbs and nbc excuse me are coming with their mid-season stuff so the new entry for cbs is good sam a medical drama starring sophia bush jason isaac they will they will also the amazing race and unrecovered boss and the and big and celebrity big brother will be coming back swat which has had a resurgence on friday to the fall they're going to stupidly move to Sunday nights with another night where shows go to end because obviously SEAL teams move to Paramount Plus, which is again stupid. Basically, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday will stay the same. You know, where you got the NCS Hawaii and, and the whole FBI night and Ghost is on the night with the other sitcoms. Amazing Race will be on that night with Good Sam, which will take the spot of CSI Vegas, which only got a 10 episode, you know, revival run. And Undercover Boss will take over SWAT's time on Friday nights, which means that. I don't watch Blue Bloods or Magnum P.I., so nothing on Friday nights excites me. And The Price is Right and Let's Make a Deal will be on Wednesdays for a bit until Celebrity Brother comes over. Smallwood, a comedy starting Pete Holmes. 
They're still waiting on the date there, but the only difference is SWAT is moving to Sunday night. Amazing Race and Good Same is Wednesday night, and Uncover Boss is Friday night. And eventually, somebody Big Brother or Survivor, those type of shows will be on Wednesday night. That's CBS. NBC, though, they announced when This Is Us will be coming. Obviously, the return of Law & Order, which is, again, pretty stupid, is coming back. Keenan's coming. But the thing is, they're putting Keenan Monday nights with other shows. Again, makes no sense. And Young Rock and Mr. Mayor eventually come back. And the drama, the endgame, and then new comedies, American Auto and Grand Crew. I mean, the freshman comedies, American Auto and Grand Crew. And then the American, American Song Contest and Renee Zellweger Limited Series about Pam are going to be coming. I just don't know why they can't just put all the sitcoms all in one night. Because that's just pretty stupid. They can't be simple there. But, nope. Keenan was paired with Young Rock last year, but is moving to Mondays. And Mr. Mayor is taking over Tuesday night. And all the shows, including the rookie comedies, and all these things will put them on like Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And it'll be an all Law & Order Wednesday, uh, Thursday night like they wanted with a spinoff that actually never happened. It was supposed to happen, but then it got... Working and Blacklist will go back to Friday nights. So for me, the thing about Pam will start March 8th along with, but that will be like when the other, sh- it says when the when Young Rock and Mr. Mayor, they're all set for like 15th, so that's interesting. I don't really watch that much on NBC because they do competition shows Monday night and sometimes Tuesday night, and Sunday night is Monday Night Football, and, and they, you know, Blacklist has moved back and forth between Friday night and Thursday night, but... They don't show anything else on Friday nights besides that. That it's really This Is Us, which is ending, and New Answer Then, which feels like it's ending, even though it got renewed for like three years and there's still another year or two left. And I like Keenan, and I liked Mr. Mayor. I'm a little not sold on Young Rock, but either way, I'm used to NBC having like three or four comedies on at the same time, not two or three, so I'm glad there's more coming, and those will be television you'll get. Now, uh, the the shows that I have that I review that are on NBC that you can check out on OnTheRadarMedia.com or my blogger Radar 4428 is La Barea and Ordinary Joe. And one thing I want to say about Ordinary Joe is I feel like it's going to be the next. This is a an uplifting drama that has some light humor to it. It's a dramedy sometimes. It's got parallel timelines. And this is us. We all know is. You know, the Pearsons in the past, the Pearsons in the present, and then they even do future stuff. All of this is how this tells the story. And one thing I want to say about the guy who creates this is us, Dan Fogelman. He knows that he is, I'm not following the September through May guideline of 18 to 22 episodes. I'm on this time, I'm on this time. No, he tells the story how he wants it, and he can have 10, 13 episodes a season for all, for all the fans care because it's just quality storytelling. So Ordinary Joe is a show about a guy who overthinks all his life decisions from my one moment in time. I'm somebody who overthinks things, but usually afterwards. And In Ordinary Joe is three different timelines about Joe Kimbrew who makes a life decision after his graduate Syracuse University. And there's three parallels. All of them are 10 years after graduation. One is a police officer, which is something I wanted to be as a kid. One was being a music star, which of course a lot of people, including myself. And one was being a nerd. Now, I'm not somebody who's familiar with James Wolk. Like, it says he was in The Crazy Ones, Mad Men, Zoo, Tell Me a Story, which I may have seen, but I don't remember, and he was in Watchmen, and he was in You Again for a good time, all these other things, and, like, I may have seen him, but for me, 
he's got this charismatic like you got to believe him. He's so he's like a likable dude. You want you want to root for him. How you know Ryan Eggold is in New Amsterdam, Masizinski in Masizinski. Uh, how I pronounce his last name for real on the Resident. Like there's certain people that are like that. So in one timeline, he he becomes a police officer because he meets up with his uncle, who's a police officer, and his father died in 9/11, which is in everything, and his and his uncle's a cop in all of them. And in that one, he's single, and his best gay, his best friend is gay and black, has a baby. I don't know if the wife died or if you know she broke up with him, but like they they're buddies in that one. And he of course dates the Natalie Martinez woman who. As the sheer luck of every show she's been in to pretty much being canceled. Like, I liked her on the show, you know, APB. She was in, supposedly they said she's the fugitive in the stand as the main role, but then, and the island, which again, only recent things. The Crossing, that got canceled after a while. Kingdom was on for a couple of years. She was on Under Dome, but that was like a year-long show. Brief role on CSI, New York, like, and then she, biggest thing for her was Fast Home States and Center, and in chart 27, but for her, like, in this timeline, she's single, and he met her briefly in college, but then they start dating. In the other timeline, he follows his dream, becomes a music star, and he's married to her, and his uncle is his private security, and his gay best friend is obviously... Wait, no, so his gay best... His bisexual friend is single in that timeline. He's a cop, but in the one he's a music star, he's... He's married or something like it's confusing if he's married in that one or if he has a baby in the other one. But either way, in the other timeline, they don't tell you how, but he decides to go meet up with his college girlfriend who's played by Elizabeth Lale Jenny. And they have a kid together and she's like a paralegal or whatever, not like a lawyer, but health and stuff. And he's a nurse and they have a kid in every timeline. Her genetics for something in her family has it. The kid eventually in a wheelchair. And I want to give credit to this kid who's playing the boy. Like he is really really good because like it's it's interesting to see how how a kid who can be a disability like that in the chair but also be a good singer and act really really well now that is Joe Gluck that's really good like that that's the thing like I'd say this give this kid huge credit he's Lovable, he's likable, he does a really good job in his role, but in every role he's a kid in a wheelchair no matter if he's actually Joe's kid in the nurse timeline, if he's, you know, Jenny's son in no matter what timeline, it doesn't matter if it's the police officer one or it's the musician one where, you know, all this other stuff. And so that's the thing. And then the guy playing the uncle, David Roshovsky, his uncle Frank, I said cop security guard in this one, he's his TO officer in the other one. He plays like the uncle role for him, and a lot, and he's been in many different things. He's a career like character actor. I like him because again, his, Joe's father died in 9/11, and I liked his role in there. And they sometimes show Joe's mom, they sometimes show Joe's aunt, and then there's different husbands in the timelines for Jenny, no matter which one it is, if she's not married to Joe, and. And then his friend Eric is married as in the, in the officer one, they show her. And then and then Jack Coleman from Heroes, the father in Heroes, he comes and plays Jenny's dad in all the timelines. Christine Adams plays Bobby Diaz, his wife. We know her from Black Lightning and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Adam Rodriguez, in every single one, he's a congressman. One, he could be a shady congressman that does something bad that Joe's a cop one. He could be one where he 
doesn't know if he ever can walk again. And another one where he has he has a, he has Parkinson's and Elizabeth, and Elizabeth, and Natalie Martinez character has to run for office. So pretty much politically, she's doing something political on everyone. The one where she's married to to Charlie Bennett's character, his friend Eric, in in the timeline that Joe's a nurse. It's not clear what she does, but I like that they can go anywhere with this. They could go like, hey, let's show you how he took the steps of meeting with his uncle and his mother and his aunt after graduation and how he became a cop and why he really did that. Or the one where the girl of the meeting chance counter with Amy and Natalie Martinez's character decided to pursue music and marry her. Or meet up with his college girlfriend on and off friend and they actually talk and then they have the kid and why he goes to nursing school and why she does this and all this other stuff. Like, I feel like it's interesting. There's enough characters, enough you can explore because I said there's three parallel timelines. And everybody can relate to overthinking things. Everybody can relate to, I really wish I did this when I was younger and trying to fill your dreams. And I, what I do also like is, even in the non, one reason, non-professional music singer when he's a cop, he's playing Billy Joel on the piano and singing in cop bars and he's, sing, and he's playing music and playing with his son when he's the nurse one. So I like that one. That's good. So I think this is the show that with this is us ending, it's going to be perfectly taking up that slot there. And that should be the NBC show that be renewed like right away. Like that's what you want. The other show, La Brea, just follows in the footsteps of, we mentioned Natalie Martinez before. She was in the show Under the Dome and The Crossing. And like there was the debris show on NBC last year and you had manifest a couple years ago and you would flash forward and the, the, the biggest success of them all lost everybody's trying to replicate the magic of something in the science world, the science fiction world, the fantasy world, like something that happens and you have scientists and you got every single government agency or even have police officers or detectives involved and they're trying to figure it out. And, they, and I don't know if you're working together with civilians and some civilians have connections and all this other stuff. And for me, the writing is really choppy. The editing is not that great. And I feel like they either waste the money on the budget of Let's have these beautiful scenery and try to use money on special effects and all the scientific stuff. And let's book some big-time actors in there. And it's going to spend all the money on those big-time actors being in there. And then there's no money left. So this one is called La Brea because it's at the La Brea Tar Pits in L.A. Where Mass Sinkle happens in Los Angeles and everybody goes down there. And they go back in time. And, and the show is following the one family where... You got a father, mother, and son, and daughter who are separated by events and they're trying to reunite. So the, the mother and the son are down there, and the daughter and the father are up top. The father's having PTSD of these visions, and supposedly these visions have to do with the sinkhole and people down there, and he wasn't actually going crazy. And the daughter has some sort of thing where she has like a disability with her leg, and I don't know if that's something. And they're like, okay, that's cool, like that, how she's running, how she doesn't fall down there, but the other does. And. And then there's all these other creatures that are out there, but you got the U.S. Department, U.S. Department of Homeland Security who are studying it in the, because they're studying something similar in the Mojave Desert. And you're like, okay, we got different events, different agencies, the civilian aspect, the this aspect. We're going to introduce every single character. So we'll have an interracial gay couple. We'll have a British black guy who's dying. We'll have a woman who's a cop from another state looking for a drug, you know, dr son who sells drugs. You know, we'll have another. Thing where it's a father-daughter instead of mother-son situation. Then we'll have like a a Middle Eastern, like a Pakistani Indian guy, but he's Australian and he's supposedly like a historical like expert on this stuff. So you know, like anthropologist, which is interesting. 
And, it, and I'm saying, I was like, it's just way too confusing as the government agency, the people are looking into it, the connection of the father is just way too coincident, and there's drama from all these little characters, and the love triangles, and the failed marriages, and the strained relationship with your father and son, daughter, or whatever, and they got deal with it all that downstairs, and they want to make it diverse, and say that anybody can fall down this sinkhole, but sometimes it's like, too much, because as I said, there are a few British people who are not white. They got the Indian Judas at Australian. They got a multiracial couple. And then as I'm watching the show even more, this scientist lady who works for the Homeland Security people goes, my girlfriend, fiance, is one of the people that was down there originally and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, bam, bam, another interracial LGBT couple. So I got no problem with them having it. But sometimes it just seems like it's put in there just to be put in there. And the storytelling is not that great. And John Seda is half Puerto Rican, so they get the Hispanic dude. And then, no offense to Natalie Z, who people say she was in Justified in the Detour. I know her as a love interest in multiple shows where she's like a reoccurring character. She's not believable in a lead role whatsoever. John Seda definitely could be, but he's but he's more of a peripheral character. That's why he gets the and character, and he doesn't get the, you know, the, you know, like starring, you know. Maybe it's a different role, and he was in more scenes. That would maybe be good. And I know I like that. I know they want to assemble cast and all this other stuff, but it's like, and even one of the characters says, "I feel like we're on Lost." And Manifest was a flawed show, but it's progressively getting got a little bit better every year. And then NBC says, "Yep, it got better, but you're gone." Like I, you know, Debris was crap. Crossing was not that great. I know everybody's trying to make the next Lost. But the writing and the and the acting on the show is very cliche, and there's like a formula how they follow these things, and it's just really. And some people on the internet complain that they didn't do research on some of the science going on, the continuity of different things like predators attacking. I do like the the, the premise of them being back in the past, and they have to try to figure out how to get it. But they went in the wrong direction because nobody really cares about the people's personal drama and stuff. And, yeah, so with usually on networks, they usually cancel after one year, or it's a fall show, but then they take their time to renew it, and then it doesn't come back next fall, and it comes back next spring. I don't see this, like, premise going on for that long, because they all need to figure out how to get home, and then they could probably do that in one or two seasons. It doesn't seem like it's, like, a five-year show. I would, somebody would pull the plug before even the season ends, but, hey, NBC went and renewed it. Which just baffles my mind how that is the worst show that NBC put on. And Ordinary Joe is the good one. That's where I'm just like, yeah, I don't understand how that show gets renewed. But rest in peace to everybody who passed away. For everybody who has COVID, hopefully they get better. And um, and um, remember my baseball observations video for the, for the offseason. I'll do more of the moves that are there. And... I will also, you know, have my movie review video, which is also on there. Follow me at, at Twitter, Radar4428. And at the same time, at the same time, I would be like, can you also like on the Radar Entertainment blog on Facebook? Go to my website on theradarmedia.com. As always, on Google, Apple, or Spotify. Thanks for listening to On the Radar as we always talk about local and national sports. I'm just trying to get in all my television reviews before the shows have already been on the air long enough for people to make their 
own opinions on it. And yeah, so thanks for listening to episode 108 for On the Radar. See you guys next time.